Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
What's up, Belly Up Fantasy Nation? Uh, welcome back. This is uh, the second rendition of our um, our ideal landing spots for fantasy here. Uh, I, of course, am joined by Chris Dowhauer, my man. How's it going? Going pretty good. I'm trying to get uh, comfortable with this crazy weather that we're having here in the East Coast. Um, it was about 75 about two days ago, and then I woke up to frost in my front yard this morning. It was a below 25 degrees outside. So, yeah, um, don't know what's going on with the seasons, but I do know it's about the season for you know, the drafts coming up, and we're kind of cont- continuing what we are talking about last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, mm-hmm. um, and kind of going to NFC, I think. We're going to try to keep, you know, belly up nation abreast of what we think is the best fits for some of these teams for them to have the upgrades fantasy-wise uh, for the reduction for the other players they have on their team right now, or maybe something that, you know, they're missing. Yeah, absolutely. I think you had it uh, right on the head. Like who can um, either be a key fantasy asset themselves or really change the game for some of these other uh, current uh, in the league guys. Um, so before uh, we get into all of that fun stuff, um, just I, I, I guess we'll hit on some of the key pieces of news since we last spoke. Of course, the biggest one was the untimely passing of Dwayne Haskins, which was uh, a, just an absolute tragedy. I think it happened a few days after our last one. Um, I, I know I, I talked about it on um, on the Dynasty show uh, over that weekend, and it's just a really awful, awful situation. So definitely uh, our condolences there. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely unexpected. And then very unfortunate. I mean, I think that just a guy that I was definitely more high on than most coming out of college. Um, I hadn't given up necessarily on his career. I didn't love what was going on off the field, but it seemed like he hadn't gotten it together since he had been in Pittsburgh and had a chance to actually to kind of contend for starting. I know they brought in Mr. Trubisky, but uh, I think, you know, Mace Rudolph, Mr. Trubisky, anything could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Happen. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think he, he definitely had a chance to um, – have a really impactful time there still. I, I definitely don't think that the the writing was on the wall, so it's, it's really sad to not uh, see him get the opportunity to um, <laughs> to go through with that. Um, yeah, so definitely console- condolences there. Um, some other pieces, uh, which is definitely hard to follow that up, but some other pieces, Sammy Watkins to the Packers, um, that happened o- over the uh, course of the past week or so. Uh, any expectations there? What, what, what can we expect? From yes, I was talking to back? my, uh, you know, my fellow co-host on MD's Nation uh, or MD's football show, Mr. Dan Mater, and I'm Sadie Watkins is annoying to me because I am still a sucker for his talent. He's still fairly young. Um, he tantalizingly gives you tastes here and there in Kansas City. He never kind of materialized, but he had stretches where he was good. Last year, he kind of never really was the guy, but he was tremendous when he was out there healthy. So it's kind of really interesting to see what he can kind of bring to a Green Bay receiving core is definitely depleted. Um, my contention is Dan, you know, feels like he might be something he kind of read off, written off now. I find I'm going to have to give him one more probably chance on my fantasy football team this year because we have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball. As long as you're healthy, we saw MBS, we've seen, you know, Alan Lazard, we've seen different guys be relevant. His receiving core, Red, Randall Cobb, even had a stretch last year, a couple games where he was decent. So, yeah, I mean, Sammy Watkins has to be on your radar because who are you worried about? Amon St. Brown? 
Not the St. Brown, on the other St. Brown, I should say. Not, not <laughs> Equinemius. <Brown>. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and even Equinemius, I think, uh, did he go to the Bears or my mistake? Right. Yeah, he's moved on too. So they, they, they're yeah, really. Yeah, they're, they're really empty. Um, so I'm sure is, that's is, the position we're talking out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that's the position we'll be talking about with Green Bay a little bit more here in a bit. Uh, <laughs> I would I would imagine. Um, let, let me think. Uh, what are the other ones? Uh, Geno Smith. Tried to sign with the Seahawks. It looks like it'll be going through, but it was rejected by the league office. Um, I don't know that I've ever... I remember seeing a contract, especially for someone like Gino, get rejected by the league office. That was just a bit weird. Um, but it sounds like uh, he'll, he'll still be going there. Uh, do you think that there is any chance that, as uh, Pete Carroll says, that, that that will be an open competition between Drew Locke and Gino Smith? I mean, if they don't draft a quarterback or we, they don't trade for one, maybe, uh, Baker Mayfield or somebody along those lines, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, they seem the rhetoric coming out of Seattle now. I, I still have my trepidation of you know what was real and not right now, but the talk is they like Drew Locke and they also like Geno Smith last year. And I mean, Russell Wilson definitely is the was the quarterback for them, but Geno kind of held down the fort decently while he was kind of away. So if nothing else, he's definitely a decent backup option. And I think that Pete Carroll has shown, especially in the past, that he's willing to play whoever the best quarterback, per se, plays the best. So, I mean, we've seen Russell Wilson, that's how he got his job. Uh, he had brought in somebody named Matt Flynn, who, by the way, was also a sixth-rounder. So, I mean, it's not like they necessarily have to have a pedigree at the quarterback position to play for Pete Carroll. Yeah, uh, you were absolutely right. I, I definitely think that there's a possibility he could beat out a Drew Locke. Uh, that, that would be very interesting, though. Um, a, a few more pieces before we get into uh, our primary little topic here. Um, but, oh, real quick, two big uh, pieces of cornerback news um, over the past, I'd say, four or five days or so. Stephon Gilmore is officially signing with the Colts. Um, and then, of course, sure a massive about that. Yeah, <laughs> I was definitely had uh, some exciting news there. Um, and then um, we had the Denzel Ward deal. Uh, he's will be staying with Cleveland. Um, obviously not the primary focus here, but definitely interesting to see the AFC kind of get stronger on the defensive side because it's really going to be a, a, a tough conference uh, throughout. Um, but then the other piece that, say, that absolutely does matter, especially fantasy wise, you want to know where those corners are and you want to know who those shutdown guys are facing week to week, and especially in the Colts case. I mean, we saw when they kind of slowed guy on his roads on his downside of his career coming from Minnesota, kind of rejuvenated and bounced back and made that defense one of the top defenses. Maybe stuff mm-hmm. up a little more could be something similar. Yeah. Uh, and I believe I saw something along the lines that over the past, maybe four years, um, <laughs> uh, Darius Leonard and Stephon Gilmore are like top 10 in turnovers. Uh, and obviously Nagakwe is up there as well. Um, so that's going to be another thing to kind of keep in mind is that like between sack fumbles, uh, whatever Darius Leonard's doing as far as turnovers are going and then Stefan Gilmore, that's going to be an interesting, uh, situation as far as getting those negative points tacked on. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the last piece that I'd like to hit before, again, we get into, um, the NFC top landing spots for some of these draft prospects, um, all of the, the potential holdouts or, or uh, you know, some of these stories are probably uh, reporters kind of, you know, grabbing at nothing. And, and I'm speaking about uh, specifically Kyler Murray, um, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel here. Um, 
all of which, you know, did their little team scrub and uh, are looking for new contracts here. Um, I don't know. What do you make of this? Uh, I, I think odds are either three out of three or two out of three stay where they currently are. I, I don't find it super, super likely that there's a lot of movement here, but I, I, it's certainly a fascinating thing to think about. Well, I think the biggest one that I would jumps out to me immediately is, of course, Kyler Murray. And I think there is some smoke to this fire because this is something that's going on since the beginning of the offseason kicked off, in a sense. I've never seen an agent take a full-page article and describe why his quarterback you know, deserves a contract or deserves to be the franchise guy. Um, this is, seems like a really odd situation in general. I think Kyler Murray is a little bit different in gen- in as well. Um, he kind of reminds me of Kyrie Irving. Um, and as I say that, because I think he's got time watches his own beat. I think he has baseball in his back pocket. I don't think quarterback and being in the NFL guy he thought he was going to be is kind of materializing quite as easy as he expected, I think, in a lot of ways. And the expectations are going to kick in. And Arizona did struggle down last year, and they go out in the first round of the playoffs, and Kyler Murray was the quarterback who didn't play so well. So I think he's trying to make sure that he looks like he's the man right now and getting paid accordingly and trying to puff his chest out. I think Arizona, from what I'm understanding, I think that they'll play with him this year. But I think that if he keeps trying to play hardball with them, I don't think they'll necessarily are locked into him. I think they'll be willing to move on because they just gave their GM and their head coach extensions. And I should tell you something about when this when the smoke car or this fire started coming, you know, coming out to the surface in a sense. Um, for the other guys, I think that you're looking at just kind of a. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of curious what your take would be more on it because I think there's like there's a lot of different situations that are kind of you know unfolding in these in these cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think um, that this this is kind of a a new tactic that that some of these agents are kind of using for superstar guys to to up their contracts to really be you know play up the hardball. Um, and for some of them, it appears to be working. Now the Devo situation is really interesting because it's it sounds like based on a Schefter tweet earlier today and granted he's been a little bit um not on his a game as of late last month or two um but nonetheless according to a Schefter tweet earlier today uh the the Niners are willing to get into the, these negotiations oh, yeah. with them um, I think they're and, hoping and Debo's the one that's kind of holding things up so well I, I think know, the negotiation I think negotiations Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Are, we're, we're kind of having, you know, whose side of negotiations are being open to. I think Debo Samuel is going to pay as a top-tier receiver, and I think the 49ers look at him as 
a guy who they could replace and are kind of hoping maybe there's a market out there. So if they could get something like a Tari Kill type trade, um, you know, like I said, my co-host is definitely a 49ers fan, Dan Mater. Um, he, he was, he's very adamant that he hopes as a 49ers fan, they do trade Debo because that's the only way you can kind of make up for all the draft capital you've wasted the last couple of years, especially on Trey Lance upcoming. Um, so if you want to kind of save yourself from cap hell and you want to kind of actually have a chance to make up some, you know, moves on your team, Debo moving town would be the best thing for them. So I think this is kind of a case where the 49ers is like, yeah, we're opening negotiations, but we're not going to pay you $150 million over three years like Stefan Diggs. And I think that's where you're going to see kind of, you know, where people stand. A.J. Brown, I think, is a little bit different because I think he's in a situation where Tennessee needs him. Unless they can significantly upgrade the receiver position and get maybe Traylon Burks falls to them, for example, um, somebody that's a, a clear, easy replacement in a sense, I can't see them as a team that's kind of, you know, hoping to be a Super Bowl contender ready to move on to A.J. Brown. Next year, sure. This year, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree there. Again, I think the Debo one's fascinating. Um, and I, I think of the three, as far as a, a this year move, he's the one that makes the most sense. I think um, the, the Jets or the 49ers are hoping the Jets are really interested with one of the early picks, and that's what they're trying to like bamboozle them and to get it. You know, I think in a sense. I hope the Jets aren't interested. <laughs> Amen. I think, Adam, though, I think there's only a few people who would be anti um, that move in a sense, or I think everybody would be like, oh, Debo is going to change, and I just keep pointing to the Le'Veon Bell move, and I'm like, man, you're just going to do it all over again in New York. Such a, yeah, I, I just don't think that's what's gonna <laughs> what's gonna fix that problem. Uh, but I digress. Let's go ahead and like I like I promised. Um, that's our last little piece. Let's get straight into um, some of these NFC things. Uh, let me see here. What? All right. Do you want to start with the? You want to go north or west? How about we start off with the north? All right. Let's um, start off it- north. A division that seems to be very much in uh, a state of turnover. Um, we'll start off with those um, Minnesota Vikings, one of the teams that has probably the least amount of turnover other than the coaching staff. Yeah, I think their top um, fantasy thing already happened for them this offseason. Where while I like Mike, Zim- Mark- Mike Zimmer in a lot of ways, him moving on is going to be a lot better for a lot of these receivers and, and Kirk Cousins in particular. So I think fantasy owners are a little more excited about just Jefferson and that passing attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Minnesota, for them to continue to kind of upgrade and continue to be that threat you're looking for, I think it's really important that they add wait, another receiver. Adam Thielen's getting a little bit older. Um, they've kind of tried different guys out there like OBC Johnson. There's a guy that I, I can't recall right now, but you like last year coming out of college, um, kind of had a, you know, a little stretch where he was pretty effective. But I think overall, they don't really have a game changer, and they kind of could use somebody to kind of balance out Justin Jefferson. So when I look what's available, I love like a Chris Olley, for example, right there. Um, maybe Gabriel Wilson he's still, or Garrett Wilson is still on the board. But somebody along those lines, I think Olley is more of a chance they could get him. Um, and I'd even be willing to kind of sacrifice this year in a sense where Minnesota is kind of on that, you know, that cusp of are they a playoff team or are they kind of rebuilding? Jamison Williams is a guy I definitely considered too because I think him and Jeff Jefferson moving forward, Dalvin Cook, yeah, give me whatever quarterback you have, I'll be okay. Yeah, well, and to your point with with Jamison, they don't necessarily need a receiver right now. This is about that would be about uh, a long term need. Just kind of as you say, like Thielen's getting up there. There's been some injuries the last couple of years. He's still pretty effective when he's on the field, um, but but nonetheless, it, a lot of money. Jefferson's going to want a lot of money too. So you got to kind of start thinking about those numbers. Right, exactly, exactly. 
Um, but yeah, uh, and just especially the state of the NFL um, and the state of the NFC in that this is a, a situation of where if they go all chips in kind of on that offense, they could really be a, a key player there. Um, they're not one of the teams that's been talked about much in that that category. Um, it's really just been Bucks, Rams, and kind of sort of Packers. Uh, but the Vikings could absolutely jump into that category, and I think they're one of the closest teams in that maybe second, third tier. Well, I think that the guy I kind of look at, Kirk Cousins in particular, and how successful he was with Deshaun Jackson, for example. And I think Jamison Williams is, is the taller Deshaun Jackson in a lot of ways. Um, so I think when you kind of think the pairings of guys – you know, Kirk Cousins really hasn't had a deep threat since he's been in Minnesota, and that's kind of been something maybe that offense would be definitely beneficial. Try playing 8-9 in a box, take Dalvin Cook away when you have that kind of threat on the outside. Or even Chris Olley, like I said, I think these are guys we kind of talked about. It could be this year and maybe next year, but I think they could add another weapon to the offense and take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also wouldn't really hate for them to uh, go kind of in the interior, maybe even on the right side. I think they really shored up left tackle pretty well uh, recently. Um but, but really in the interior on the right side, and that's actually perfect for this draft because I think that's where where a lot of the talent is. There's a lot. Of, I think there's a couple of these guys who you know are the fringe of maybe being a really good left tackle, and obviously at the top of the draft, there's a couple very very good left tackles. Um, but as you go deeper into the draft, like there are going to be a lot of options, even in the second, third, maybe even fourth round, for them to get some really quality guys uh, in the interior and on that right side. So that's something that I think would be really interesting for them as well. Even maybe maybe getting the opportunity in the second or something for uh, a homegrown Minnesota guy. <laughs> yeah, that would be, would be awesome. Um, but I think the system fit would be kind of interesting there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that you talk about, you know, would be definitely beneficial for not just Kirk Cousins, who we've seen when there's pressure in his face, doesn't kind of, doesn't matter who he's throwing the ball to. <laughs> and I think that you know, Dalvin Cook would definitely be happy with some of those moves you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's move on. Who do you want to hit? The Packers, Bears? Well, let's, we'll, we'll, let's jump to the Bears. Another team is kind of in a, a, a transition on the other side. Other um, than quarterback, they could go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so maybe, Adam, you'll have to kind of, you know, give us some insight from the, the, having the leaders, the defensive coordinator from the Colts taking over as the head coach. I look at this team, and it's real simple. You need weapons for Justin Fields to have any chance to be successful. I want to say offensive line because they scream with the offensive line, but I think we can say that for a lot of different teams. But this is one team in particular has to figure out how to add another weapon. I am not pleased with what they did in the offseason. I don't think that they necessarily get just fields, you know, targets he needs. And Darnell Mooney is better served as a number two vertical threat. He is not top uh, number one receiver. People can love Darnell Mooney for his, you know, analytics and love you know, his fantasy booms and busts here there. But when it comes down to it, he's not a true number one receiver. And I think the, the you know, Chicago Bears cannot mess around if they would like Justin Fields to be successful. And we want him fantasy-wise to be successful. Yeah, uh, I think there's a couple names that jump immediately to mind to me. Uh, of course, there's the obvious in the Ohio State guys, especially Olave, who had his definitely his best season um, with Fields. Like but... Chicago, they're not going to have that early pick, though, because they're going to draft later. I know. Yeah, so there's definitely no chance of them for Wilson. Even, um, you know, Olave would be tough. Um, but what could be really interesting, especially as you point out with the, the draft capital, capital, would be an Alec Pierce getting a bigger body. Um, he, he's someone I really like. I, I think his, his legs move really well against he's got that bigger body. He's going to go, you know, a little bit 
middle of day two, probably, I, I would imagine. Maybe mid to late second. Um, maybe a little bit more in what the Bears are able to get for a receiver. Again, he's someone who I, I think even if he was a lot shorter, like his legs move very quick, I think he would still be pretty fast if he was shorter. Uh, you know, I guess I say that and to say he's not just a long strider. Like he is actually no, fast. He's not. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's a lot of different ways that you know the Bears could go definitely beneficial. Uh, David Bell is a guy that kind of jumps out to me that I think is a, a mm-hmm. clear fit. They don't really have that kind of security blanket for Justin Fields, and I think he would be that guy. I myself was disappointed in his 40 time that he ran into combine, his overall kind of physical demonstration. But I have to remind myself, including that the number one receiver last year had very similar combine numbers, and it doesn't matter necessarily how fast or how high you jump, it's, or can you get open, and does your quarterback get you the ball? Cooper Cup was fantastic and has almost the same exact numbers David Bell has coming out. So when you think about those kinds of things, and on your eyes show you a guy who uses his body, gets in and out of his routes. Reminds me a lot of Rashad Bateman last year. Reminds me that's explosive, but I think he's actually a little bit better in contested catching the ball. So I put all the things together. I think Justin Fields could have a best friend and somebody who probably could be on the board for them around their, you know, the third round, second, third, early, second, third, early third round. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's another really good fit for them. Um, yeah, no question. But again, the, pretty much anything that's not quarterback running back uh, would probably be a benefit for, uh, for the Chicago Bears. Um, all right, Packers or Lions? Well, I think this is, this is going to probably be very you know easy for me for this division. So I'll go with Detroit right now because another team that needs another receiver. Um, I love DJ Shark. I hate his fit with, with, with golf. Jared Goff attempted... I believe 20 passes be above 30 yards last year. Um, this guy is like a glorified uh, checkdown machine. Like he is a Dalton uh, 2.0 in a sense. Like there are so many things in a Dalton is actually through AJ Green, so I shouldn't even use that comp. But I just look at a guy who's definitely not looking to stretch you vertically. What he does do decently, and if he's going to be your quarterback and we want to have successful for Ahmad St. Brown and Swift and other guys in this offense that you can, people want to get their hands on, Hawkinson in particular, you need a true threat on the outside. I love St. Brown. He's a good route runner. He's a good technician. But you need somebody to get the ball in their hands. It can make a, a huge difference. So while I think it's a little too early for them to take them in the first round with their first pick, that late second – I mean, sorry, that – Second first round pick that comes later, I think Jamison Williams, if he's still on that board, makes a fantastic fit for Detroit Lions. A team that doesn't necessarily win this year, but is building for the future. If they happen to find a quarterback this year or next, great. But you have the weapons and you look at the pieces they have in place moving forward a Hawkinson, a St. Brown, a Jamison Williams, and the Swift in, in a different backfield. That offensive line is pretty good. I think you can, you know, mess with anybody out there in the NFL. So to me, that's the guy that they need to get their hands on. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a really good fit. Um, definitely probably how, how the board stacks right now probably would be the ideal for them. Um, something I'd throw out there just as an interesting possibility and someone that I think both in the short term with Goff and the long term potentially with another quarterback would make a lot of sense um, is if a team ends up getting kind of desperate and wanting one of the quarterbacks or even wanting one of the edge guys and wants to trade up in Detroit who needs a million things, wants to trade down and acquire more picks. And, you know, if I was Detroit, that's probably what I would want to do, right? Because they have so many, so many holes. Um, Is if they could move back a little bit, but not too much, but like a little bit. um, Man, 
I think Drake London would be really, really cool there. Because I, when I was on the Dynasty show over uh, two weekends ago, the Belly Up uh, Dynasty show, um, man, to me, he is, and he can do so many other things. I don't want to, like, just put him in this role. But, like, he is the perfect West Coast wide receiver. Like, the perfect. <laughs> you know, like, he can, uh, he will catch everything in traffic that is thrown to him ever. And then he absolutely has that strength to go ahead, break some tackles and make some plays um, that kind of way. So kind of on the opposite side of what you were saying with Jamison, but still kind of getting that same effect where he can make some plays himself, you know, on a, you know, he will catch every slant over the middle that Jared Goff ever throws. <laughs> uh, Adam, I think you're, it's a home run pick if they, have, if they made that kind of move. I kind of went banked on what they have right now, but if they were able to kind of move down and get him, I think that's a fantastic fit. You talked. I talked about Cooper Cup. I think Drake London actually is more of a comp to Cooper Cup than anybody really is in this draft, except for he's six foot five. Um, that part you kind of you know all the things you're, still, you're glowing about. You forgot like well, well, but he's also six foot five and he can go up and get it for Jared Goff in the red zone. Yeah, and he can make things happen. And Jared Goff, we know, loves to throw the slot receiver. He loves to be able to look for that guy kind of crossing in the middle and can use his body. So yes, I think if you if Jared Goff's your quarterback and you want fantasy production out of receivers. Drake London would be a fantastic fit for this offense. Mm -hmm. And again, he and real quick. I'm sorry, let me catch you off. But Michael Thomas is another comp, kind of similar. It was a fantastic, you know, did well for the Saints. They have a very similar offense. Don't forget, you know, that's where some of the coaches were from New Orleans. Yeah, yeah no, I was going to say, and then even I, I think he is someone who has the ability to go down the field when uh, I, I think we all assume that. Um, Detroit is kind of planning to hit the quarterback position last, but will probably in a couple of years want to uh, address that with someone other than Jared Goff. Uh, and, and when you do that, then Drake London's going to be an absolutely would be an, would be an absolutely incredible piece there. And a guy you can you can line up anywhere. So to your point, as you're building your team, if this guy can play, you know, inside, he can play outside. You don't really necessarily pigeonhole what your needs are. You can take the best receiver available moving forward. That's the free agency or draft. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that leaves the Packers. <laughs> well, I think that answer is really obvious. Sammy Watkins or no Sammy Watkins, this team and Aaron Rodgers in particular for his fantasy production to continue for him to be a guy who's MVP candidate needs a receiver. I don't think people are going to realize how dependent – I love Aaron Rodgers, very good quarterback – how dependent he was on Devontae Adams the last few years. When you look at the games that Adams doesn't play – and I'm not talking about like when it's only like a, a, a game here or there, like the Kansas City game where they kind of you know catch things off a of guard. I'm talking about if he's out for two or three weeks and teams know that he's not going to play. How bad that offense looks, and Aaron Rodgers in particular does not be able to move the ball. There is no explosiveness on that receiving core. There's nobody to kind of get your attention. And Aaron Rodgers is the king of being able to kind of sling it around and having a guy adjust to him. He has nobody I think is going to right now. Al Lazard's a good route runner. This guy wasn't even drafted by the Packers in the seventh-round pick. You need to get Aaron Rodgers some weapons, and you need to have gotten yesterday. But I, I think this is something that's – if they don't take a receiver in that first pick and they don't have somebody you know, outstanding that fell to them some kind of way, they need to be held accountable accordingly. And I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan of how he handled this offseason necessarily, but I will definitely be on his ball court yelling from the rooftops that you screwed this man. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. I think that's perfect. Um, so who, I mean, I, I think we're in agreement that really any day 
first two days, like receiver would be a benefit here. But who are some that you, you think uh, kind of fit the mold um, the best? Uh, for instance, two. I was okay. going to say, I, I've saw, I've seen rather, uh, Jahan Dotson mocked to them a couple times. And I, I do like him, um, but that just doesn't scream a Green Bay move to me at all. Uh, they totally That's not <laughs> that front office's M.O., um, so that was one I wanted to get out of the way that I wanted to like kind of cross off for me, at least I don't see it. Um, but who are some of the guys that you would kind of um, keep an eye on potentially as a Green Bay target? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the two guys that kind of jump out to me, especially Green Bay kind of picking later in that first round, and it's really iffy who's going to be on the board. I think that's why Dotson's kind of getting projected to them just because he's a top receiver necessarily like left on the board. Um, I think Watson uh, from uh, makes a lot of sense. He had a lot of MBS similar skill sets, which, Packers basically had done for the last couple of years was draft guys in the fourth, fifth, six, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds of fifth, height, weight, speed guys, and hoping mm-hmm. some of them kind of hit because they realize Aaron Rodgers, if you give him somebody fast or somebody tall, he can throw the ball almost anywhere he wants to on that field. So I think that he's a fantastic fit if they were to kind of get that guy later in the first round or early second round and they're trade back for you know for a reason. Another guy kind of on the board maybe later on, or maybe that third round. Uh, Khalil Shakir from uh, Boise State. I'm a big Shakir fan. Uh, my my cohort is not such a big fan of his, mm-hmm. but I think he's a guy who can is reminds me a lot of Randall Cobb's skill set. And we know how much Aaron Rodgers loved Randall Cobb. This guy can be used as a weapon and almost all over the field. Great tackle breaker. Yes, he's going to predominantly have to be a slot receiver, but I think that's not going to hurt the necessarily Packers. You have Al Lazard on the outside. I think you can get another stretch of field guy. What Aaron Rodgers needs is a best friend. We saw when Devontae Adams was out for a couple games. Randall Cobb was his best friend because he knew where he was going to be and he was in that slot. So I think that's what you're going to look for, for in my opinion, for make Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense, you know, what it could be again. Yeah. And I would even go as far to say that uh, depending on your, your current eval of Amari Rodgers might be worth it to get two, uh, <laughs> two receivers very early. Um, and, and if you are able to do that, you'd, I agree. I, I think the primary thing here uh, should be them getting you know, that safety blanket guy for, for Rodgers, a guy who he is going to trust that they'll be in the right place at the right time. Um, that being said, I think they also kind of need to um, re- replace some of the the deep catch stuff that they've lost, right? Um, uh, yeah, like with MBS and everything there. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's why I go with Watson. Uh, you know, the guy is basically a, a height, weight, speed specimen, tall, 6'5", grand, great 40. Um, not necessarily a fine-tuned route runner, mm-hmm. but I think that we talked about we we're all kind of waiting MVS to kind of, especially fantasy world, waiting for him to kind of catch his groove. I think Watson's a little bit more talented than MVS with Polly Ogilvy. Yeah, I, I, I exactly. I think uh, Watson, or as I said earlier, and Alec Pierce. I, I think both of them would fit really well there. One. That's a good one. I forgot about him. That's a good one too. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, those guys, someone like that, uh, would definitely be ideal um, for them. All right. So. Let's just move right along. Do we want to hit the east? Yeah, sure. So how about we start off with nearest to me, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, a team kind of in an interesting position. Um, you know, multiple first rounders, a quarterback that might be the quarterback of the future, maybe not be the quarterback, but fantasy wise, I think most of us want Jalen Hurts to be the quarterback if you're a Jalen Hurts, you know, fan. Receiving wise on the Eagles. You might not be as big of a Jalen Hurts fan. Um, so I think that one of the things that left 
you know, people are going to probably be upset with the Eagles going for another receiver, having drafted two the last two years. I think you kind of cut your losses that Jalen Rager isn't necessarily the guy that you want him to be as a number two. I think he still can be a weapon in a sense that you can kind of move around. Um, and I think it's time for the Eagles to go two directions and with their first picks. Um, so I think first receiver is definitely something they need to get go after. I love Drake London. Um, I love somebody like that where a guy that can go up and get it for Jalen Hurts' you know, errant throws. Um, that will make fantasy people very happy because they'll have much better numbers to kind of go with you know, the, the rushing yardage. Um, and the other guy that kind of jumps out to me that I think about is, at, you know, people might be surprised by this. I think that second pick, maybe they could go running back. I think this Eagles team could just look at the Colts, where the coaches that came from, and looked how Marlon Mack was good, and Jonathan Taylor took them to the next level. And I think that the Eagles could do something similar. I'm not a big Gainwell fan. I think Miles Sanders last year was deal. It seems coaches aren't necessarily sold on him. They were kind of forced to have to give him the ball last year. So for me, I look at a team that has a great fit for Bryce Hall and his three-down skill set and an offensive line that could block well for him, pair him with a Jalen Hurts, an RPO type of guy, and a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. You don't need to necessarily be obvious what you're doing with your passing situations. And I think all those things kind of look put together. I think that the Eagles, that's what they should do, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree on the wide receiver front. So we'll, we'll just get out, that out of the way. Uh, any team that we can comp. Drake London too. I'm all about, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, Brees Hall is actually an interesting one. I do think that that makes a lot of sense. Actually, um, I, I mean, I I think Miles Sanders is a pretty good back personally. So do I. That being said, <laughs> clearly there is a disconnect between what we think uh, and what the Philadelphia Eagles think because um, they have not shown any like belief that that is the case, um, at, at least under the Sirianni era. So, yeah, I don't hate it. Brees Hall is definitely my RB1. I think he could be very successful there. Um, I am also not the, the biggest Gainwell guy in the world. If anything, I think he comped out more as like a gadgety almost on the receiver side rather than the, like I wouldn't really want him running the ball like ever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think Brees Hall would be a really good fit. Like it, it, they could definitely recreate a Jonathan Taylor and a Naheem Hines um, type of situation there. Um, where where <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell gets paid a lot to not catch the ball that often, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A name that people throw out because they have kind of a first runner to kind of play with in a sense. Jameson Williams has been a hot guy, and I wouldn't be opposed to him playing there. But I think Quaz, Quez Watkins is a pretty decent speed threat where they have already, and it's kind of the pieces they have in place. I just think that Drake London would be one of the more ideal fits for that offense. No, I agree. They need they need someone thicker. They they really do. Because I am the biggest like Devonta Smith. Like I think this guy is the guy type of person. But uh, the reality is is that their best receivers right now in Devonta Smith and Quez and you know some of these other guys are all skinny, like really skinny. Like they need someone who can play the physical ball uh, when you get like those more physical corners. Like who? isn't just going to get smothered at the line, um, you know, if, if you need to do that. And more importantly, a team that if you're the Jalen Hurts fan, right, more importantly, who can actually run block when Jalen Hurts is yeah. trying to scramble, right? Like who's going to be the receiver down the field doing that? Because I'm sorry, like any like respectable safety is blowing up Devonta Smith and run blocking like. That's and Jalen Rager and, Quez and Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins and all of these guys, like, 
at least Drake London can get a couple hands on him or some of these other guys like Alec Pierce or Christian Watson, you know, those guys. Like, they can do something. <laughs> totally agree. Um, all right. All right. Fun stuff. Um, so how do we feel about uh, – let's get their arch enemies, the Dallas Cowboys. How do we feel there? Yeah, I keep hearing a lot of talk about, you know, Cowboys – should go receiver cd lamb to me was an awesome pick last year and cd lambs was a thing that they needed to kind of do at that time in the place they don't miss having amari cooper necessarily in his offense i think amari cooper is better than michael gallup absolutely having said that dak prescott seemed to struggle and this offense in general seemed to struggle having too many playmakers to feed in a sense so i think one of the worst things they could do is add another receiver high if they had somebody kind of fall to them later on or in mid-rounds, they, they did a great job with Cedric Wilson before. They found Lee Turner before. That. I think they, Dallas has showed you they can kind of find some guys in those mid-rounds. So I like to see the Cowboys address the offensive line. They live off the offensive line. One thing in Dallas has not really changed since I've been, you know, I was young, which is a long, long time ago, is the Cowboys are best when they're off the line at its best. When they're healthy and they're big and they're dominant, their Cowboys are good. When they're not, no matter how pretty all the pieces around them on the running backs are beautiful and the receivers are beautiful and the quarterbacks are beautiful, it all goes to crap as soon as one of those all or two are down. So for me, they need to definitely address the line. And I like to see them go in. Um, I like to see them add a top tier tackle if they can get their hands on. Cross to me is the ideal fit. I think he probably would be off the board by the time that they're there. Um, so I'm going to kind of throw my boy in the mix. He might be somebody you know kind of virtual controversial going this early i think he's, he's all over kind of draft boards but daniel fioli he talked about you know a big beast earlier i think talk about the cowboys you look at it think about a team that's been physically dominant and could be physically dominant out there why not get them one of the most physical offense alignment in this draft a guy who i think can play left tackle just fine and definitely could be a right tackle right off the bat um so they have you know a, a replacement in the sense for is smith as he gets hurt all the time unfortunately um malik collins they moved on from to me, this is the guy Daniel Foley would be a fantastic fit for the Cowboys and kind of reestablish where they should be, a physical football team. Yeah, um, I, I fully agree there. I mean, that offensive line they had that was so dominant, um, you know, it was kind of really lost some. Um, obviously, um, Tyron Smith has had some injury issues over the past, say, five years, just here and there. Um, uh, Zach Martin, a stud, absolutely. Um, they lost Lael Collins, and one of the things that I think hurt them um, the most is when their center retired because he was such a stud. Um, they definitely Zach Martin again is a dominant dominant force, one of the best interior guys in the league. But it would be really helpful if they had something really above average out of the other two guys in the interior. So I'm certainly not going to deny that they could also, again, I just mentioned Leo Collins, they could also go attack that right tackle spot. Um, but I, I wouldn't discount something in the interior too, because I think they have two very, very good running backs. Um, I, I'm not re- really ready to write off Ezekiel Elliott completely. I don't know if he's at the you know top of the league back anymore, um, but I, I do think he's above average to, to say the least. Um, so I would at least say that getting one of them, like someone in the interior to create lanes would be helpful as well. Again, not discounting the right tackle thing, just adding to it. Uh, really anyone except for uh, Tyron and, and Zach Martin could probably go for an upgrade. 
hundred percent agree. I mean, I think that you can you know, a Lindenbaum would be a fantastic fit for them. Talk about a quality, awesome center, the one they kind of lost. In, I think that would be a fantastic fit. I think the Cowboys have average interior guys, so they definitely could upgrade. I just think that when it comes to the Cowboys, they've found a pretty good niche of being able to find tackles and move them inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they may be able to kind of get away with some guys. I think right now one of the things Dak Prescott really struggles with is pressure, and he doesn't seem to be seeing mobile Dak Prescott. And I don't really see the pressure coming up the middle. Is when Smith's out, that Cowboy offensive line is completely different, particularly on the edges. And that's where I think Fioli, if he, he brings a different dimension to the team. And he reminds me a lot of Orlando Brown. This is a guy that people are going to kind of get on his technique, but he's really raw, but you can't get around him easy. And he's a great pass protector. He's not giving up pressures. It's not like he has to learn how to pass protect. It's he has to learn how to get lower. So right now you have a guy and you see, like, you see a guy, um, I forget how to say his name exactly, but the, yeah, for the Eagles, that kind of a similar track where he had to convert from rugby to tackle. He's got a lot farther along in a sense, and he's much younger. So that guy turns out to be a really stud. What about this guy? Like I love him in Dallas. Yeah, uh, I, I can't discount oh, right, it at all. You're absolutely right. Zeke, Zeke couldn't, and Pollard can't coexist in really well fantasy-wise, so I do not want another mouth to feed in that backfield. Yes, no more running backs. <laughs> Definitely no more running backs. No more receivers. Uh, <laughs> please, an offensive lineman, or or just do something on defense <laughs> at that point. <laughs> no more skill position, please. <laughs> um, all right, cool, cool. Uh, well, I guess let's, let's kind of cut the distance in half here and go D.C., um, who does Commander Carson um, need to really uh, get this offense into gear? So I want to say receiver because it's obvious there's a glaring hole on the left side of Terry McLaurin. And Carson Wentz definitely would benefit from a big body receiver. I think that's something he's kind of shown traditionally. Having said that, we talked about the importance of offensive line. What Washington has done this offseason offensive line-wise is scary to me. I know Brandon Sheriff hasn't been healthy, but he is a stud. You lost Eric Flowers, who's only an average, you know, to, you know, slightly below average guard, but he was still effective and he was still one of your best run blockers as you had. I am not a Charles Lano fan. I do like the guy Sam Osme they drafted last year. I think he can kind of still he can still grow into his tackle position. Um, but he's very kind of he's not very physical. And I think Washington wants to be a physical team. And when you look at their offensive line, they just don't have that in place. So for me, whether it's interior or exterior, I think they would definitely benefit from the line. And I would be willing to go, um, for me, myself, I'm looking at rather Okua, if he goes to fall in kind of way, you know, but out of that top tier guys, because there's kind of controversy where how high he is. Is he better than Neil? Is he not? Is he better than Cross? Is he not? Um, what your need is, in a sense, because he's more of a to-be-determined right tackle or left tackle, but very good run blocker and outstanding in that aspect. So I think he'd be a fantastic fix because you can plug him in a guard or tackle to start. And I even think the green kid from Texas A&M, um, I love the kid. I don't know why his stock's kind of fallen. Uh, people seem to kind of forget that just because he played, you know, at all the positions in college this past, past year and he didn't grade out as great at tackle. He's still really one of the better guys out there and it was amazing interior guy. So I think that's somebody I'm, if I'm Washington, I wouldn't discredit because Carson Wentz has shown potentially if he gets pressure, none of it matters. We throw in a ball to, he can't take the pressure. That was a problem early on in uh, Indianapolis last year. In my opinion, they had that kind of you know, turn tail, uh, turns the um, tail at left tackle and right tackle. And then when Nelson got hurt, it was like, Oh shoot. So I think, yeah, when it comes down to it, I think that Washington has to have a better offensive line for Gibson to be more effective from even McLaurin who was all consistent last year. So I think all those things that 
their fantasies, you know, kind of productions dependent on them upgrading off this line. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Charles Leno is probably their most surefire guy. Um, you, you know, you would presume that they believe in Samuel Cosme still to some level, um, but that, that's not to say that he couldn't be kind of moved around or shuffled somewhere. Uh, and then the three guys who they currently project have starting in the interior are not people uh, who you would necessarily want <laughs> for that to be the case with. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, they can really do anything here, but they definitely need to get the offensive line. And to your point, you know, I would love, love, love to get a, a true number two for, um, you know, <laughs> on the other side. But I just don't know if that's got to be the priority here, especially um, if you're a fan of, uh, you know, one of, <laughs> one of these guys at running back, especially Antonio Gibson, right? Because uh, uh, McKissick can, can get his work in on the receiving end regardless. Well, not regardless of Wentz, but regardless of the offensive line. Um, but Antonio Gibson's going to kind of continue to be this fringe four yards per carry back until you improve this offensive line. I mean, this is a, a running back or a wide receiver to running back convert. You can't, you know, put him behind, behind a bad offensive line, especially an offensive line that's really bad in the interior uh, and expect him to be successful. He needs to have some obvious running lanes um, for him to really shine because he's plenty athlete it's just the you know uh the fundamentals of the position maybe not so much <laughs> he already struggles finding the holes there has to be holes for him to find if that's going to be a real problem for this guy right i absolutely agree and i think that you talked about in you know, their offense in general we only person we really see successful when the offense kind of bogged down and off the line couldn't pass protect terry mclaurin kind of fell off the face of the earth last year in a lot of ways was the tight end position which i think still still be effective but i think when it comes down to it if you want anybody in this Washington offense to be productive for you, you know, fantasy-wise, you really need them to pass, pass protect that way better than they have been. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. All right. We have one more team in the uh, in the NFC East, and that is the one closest to me um, in the New York Giants. Um, what do you think it would take for them um, to be more impactful <laughs> in the offense? Certainly receiver, right? <laughs> yeah, no, because that was just worked out so well. You give Daniel Jones more weapons so you can figure out what he is, and still he has no chance. Um, I want to say quarterback so bad, Adam, because I, I belly up nation and MD nation knows I am not, not a Danny Dimes fan. Um, I think that his, I don't know, all these lives people get in New York, Sam Darnold continues to get lives. I, I would think that, you know, the, the media market would kill these guys, but somehow they still get jobs. Mark Sanchez got destroyed to this day in that market. But he actually led his team to the playoffs, and it was more successful, you know, statistically. But anyway, I digress. So I think Daniel Jones would definitely be somebody I'd prefer to upgrade on. Um, but Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things: customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the BetFred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Just as we kind of talked about Washington, this team needs significant improvement in the offensive line. Austin Jackson kind of said that he's on a bus last year. Um, they lost Will Hernandez, who was kind of struggling in, in, as it was. You have Nate Soldier, who got his job back because Beatty, the kid he draft, wasn't good enough, and you kind of move him inside. You look at his offense in general, offensive line in general, they need a stud. Their hope would be Neil falls to them, in my opinion, with that first round pick, that first pick. That would be the best for everybody, for Daniel Jones, for Saquon Barkley people, for the receivers. Anybody you want fantasy-wise would be better if they had Neil, in my opinion. Um, but if they can't get him, I think Akawa would be a great fit because I think he could play interior actor. Or I know people will never have this happen, but that may be that second one that could happen. Linden Baum, to me, was the best fit of all of them. I think a center for a team that's kind of um, interior-oriented in a sense, I think is this the best thing that you can kind of do for this offense. I think Neil Jones is going to be better if he can step into his thing. I think uh, Saquon Barkley is better when he can follow somebody behind a block. He doesn't have the greatest vision in a sense. But if you can block that second level, which Tyler Linden is a, a great guy at doing, I think that you can get him to do big plays. So you put those things together, a guy who can move around, can do screens, a lot of things that Brian Dable likes to do. You know, Brian Dable isn't going to guy going to run the ball all the time. So I think you put all those things together. I think Tyler Lyndon would probably be the best fit, but I think anywhere along the offensive line would be a great, you know, upgrade for them. Yep, it's O-line, O-line, O-line here. Uh, <laughs> and it, again, that can kind of be something that we're going to repeat a lot here. But for them, it's especially the case. I mean, let, let's go through there just so we can hear the names. Um, their starting offensive line right now, as it stands, is Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, uh, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, um, who I love, <laughs> uh, and Matt Gono. Uh, Nate Solder, I guess, moved on somewhere. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I got to apologize. Uh, Andrew Thomas, I kept calling him Jackson, but it's Andrew Thomas. I'm sorry. Yeah. Same draft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's rough. That's really rough. When your best two guys are Andrew Thomas and Mark Lewinsky. That's really, really rough. Um, and, and I'm with you. I do not think that Danny Dimes is the answer um, in, to be the Giants quarterback. Um, but I also think, one, he's been put in an awful situation. Uh, I think they can both be true, that he's not a good quarterback, and also he's been put in an unfair situation. Um, and two, uh, any whoever your next quarterback is, you'd be if you drafted them in this draft, you would be putting them in an awful situation as well. Um, you, you just have to get the offensive line right now uh, to me and then worry about quarterback later. Because even if you do fix the offensive line, quite frankly, with the problems on this team and with Daniel Jones still there and with the defense, like uh, you'll be picking early next year. You'll be okay. <laughs> well, the guy I would love is you know, my boy quarterback position is Carson Strong. I think that he is a guy that can throw handle the volume that Brian Dable wants to kind of put out there, but he was up to him. I think he can handle all different level throws that Brian Dable wants to kind of be able to attack you with as well. So that to me would be unleash the offense, so to speak. But I think right now, fantasy wise, that's not going to necessarily be you know a chance because Neil Jones is going to get that shot, unfortunately, this year. 
Um, all right. So with that, we will be moving on divisions. But before we do that, we will get a word from our lovely sponsor, Manscaped, and the voice of your co-host, Dan Mater. Fellas, have you started your spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you'll need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool equipped with an LED light so you'll know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. Clear your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provided proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. After clearing your nose, make sure you get rid of that foul ball smell with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the Lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, boys. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. When you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com, it's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yes, yes. Thank you, Dan. And thank you, Manscaped. Definitely yeah. making sure to use um, the code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off over there. Never um, use anything on your balls that you use on your face. Yeah. General, that's a, that's, yeah, that's a good blanket statement, I think. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, I don't know. You want to start south or west? Why don't we go to the south and look at some of the teams that kind of had some transition going on? And how about the, we'll start off the Atlanta Falcons, okay. um, a team that you and I kind of talked about where we like Marcus Marietta a little bit more than some people might fantasy-wise in, in a sense. Uh, I like Kyle Pitts. It's definitely a weapon. I think he's going to have a nice season. Um, but there's absolutely nothing else around them. I want to say offensive line like we've been saying over and over again, and it's obvious Atlanta could use some upgrades off the line. But of all the teams that I'm okay with, the receiver is still like kind of like since I did last year. I'm okay if Atlanta takes a receiver because more than anything, they need somebody to take some of that attention for Kyle Pitts. And if you have another receiver stud, especially with this draft class, pairing with Kyle Pitts, I think you can go somewhere depending on whoever your quarterback is going to be moving forward. So I put the guy I love, um, you know, particularly for them is Traylon Burks. I think that he fits. What Arthur Smith did with A.J. Brown to a T in so many ways. Um, it's a guy that you can kind of manufacture yards when, depending on how your quarterback poor play is, or how poorly your quarterback play is. So he's going to kind of be a guy you can manufacture touches for if need be. 
So you put all those things together. He's not a guy who has to be vertical. He's not a guy who has to be underneath. He's a guy who can do everything. I think he's still a little bit raw, so he can kind of grow with the team. So Traylon Burks, to me, is what you want to have for your fantasy team um, because I think he's, a, without Calvin Ridley, this Atlanta offense needs another jolt. Yeah, I mean, we can keep this one quick. I fully agree with you. They're <coughs> the current projected starting receivers here, and I think ESPN must just be looking at their crystal ball because uh, of the names on on their depth chart in general. Like, there's no you know way you could really pick out other than uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, who's going to start, who I, I, I mean, of the people here. Like, he's the definitely top guy. But the other one options would be Demir Bird and Kaderil Hodge. Um, also, some some Frank Darby and Auden Tate in there. Um, had sp- I'm, I'm gonna throw this out real quick. For uh, we're gonna have you know, I'm sure talk about some fantasy guys, diamonds in a rough. Auden Tate's a guy I'll keep my eye on. I liked him in Cincinnati. I mm-hmm. think he kind of fell down the depth chart because you know, they added more talent. But he might have an opportunity that he could kind of shine. Some guys, some like, some of the guys we look for Detroit dude last year. I think he has a chance to do that this year. Yeah, I I actually agree there. Um, he, he would be an interesting one. He does feel a lot like one of those Tennessee guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think Traylon Burks is, is a really good fit. Um, I like that. You know, I know you comp him to AJ Brown. I like that. Um, I, 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 yeah, he'd fit really well. Uh, no, no complaints, no disagreements here. Um, what, what do we think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, I think that this is one of the harder teams fantasy wise. Um, I want to say receiver, but I don't necessarily think that Russell Gage is going to hurt them. Antonio Brown is going to be missed to a degree. But I think J.J. Darden is a guy I liked last year's draft, and I think is as another weapon. They have uh, they brought back Miller. So I think just kind of a plethora of receivers that kind of in play. Um, I think offensive line is probably where I go. I think the best thing for Tampa Bay is with Tom Brady standing up upright. He's not hurt. He's not facing pressure. How you get Tom Brady beat is you get pressure up the middle. So I think Tampa Bay could look to add – whether it's a center or a guard, I, I think center is probably the ideal. Um, but I think that whatever kind of the best player in the sense available interior-wise is what I would go with. So I would look for, you know, Linda Baum fell, for example, somehow, which people could happen because he's a center and people are stupid. I would think that would be, you know, fantastic. Um, but I, I like to get tough as the kid green where I'm much more high on him. But he, I would be okay taking him higher. But there's a good chance he'll probably still be on the board. So he's a guy I think that you can pretty much plug anywhere on the offensive line, and I think it's the kind of guy you need for Tampa Bay right now. Yeah, the, <laughs> I agree there too. Um, the only other thing I'll, I'll throw out there, uh, just as a potential option, um, I and you will love hearing this, Chris. I would not be surprised at all, especially with him now being kind of working on the front office side of things. I would not be surprised at all if Bruce Arians fell in love with Carson Strong. That. That was the connection before Tom Brady came back, and I think they still could be in a chance to kind of take him. It'll be interesting when they go in the first round. People seem to just not like him because he's not necessarily mobile, um, but I think that they're going to want to be regretting that. I think this is a guy that you know, will be on some draft boards, but I do think Tampa Bay probably one of those teams could probably get him, not even in that first pick. Yeah. They, they, I would love that too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I could definitely see him being one of those quarterbacks that kind of, you know, is like, eh, we'll, we'll mock him a little higher sometimes, um, but ends up kind of slipping a little bit. And I could definitely see um, Tampa Bay taking advantage. I was super shocked with them getting Trask last year. I don't see any of the quarterbacks um, that they currently have on the roster as any kind of Brady successor. I would 
feel pretty confident that this is Brady's last year in Tampa at the very least. It may not be his last in the league, but I think it probably is last in Tampa. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, with Brady, they definitely won't be drafting early next offseason. So that kind of leaves either getting one now or sucking it up and sucking next year. Um, and obviously, if you are Bruce Arians, um, based on everything you've said publicly about why <laughs> you, uh, you, you gave up your job, you'd want to set up Todd Bowles for success, not only to have one successful year, but also um, to not just, you know, be <laughs> destroyed next year, right? So I mean, um, You make a great point. I think and you have a kind of a dynasty eye, so that's definitely something you want to kind of watch out is what's the long-term success of, of my Chris Godwin owner or Mike Evans owner. What am I looking at with quarterback down the road? So you're absolutely right. It's something that could be significant for this team, especially moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and again, with Brady, they're they're a team that can. There's a lot of guys in this class that are not day one ready, but are absolutely have the arm strength or any other kind of potential to you know sit for a while and then be good quarterbacks. Um, there's guys with physical traits to do it, um, and, and this is one of the few teams that can actually afford that kind of luxury. Um, yeah, so, so that's something that I will be definitely keeping an eye on is if they do something with the QB position in this draft. Um, speaking of the QB position in this draft, the I'll Carolina throw, Panthers. I'll throw one more position real quick after Tampa Bay. They could look at a tight end as well because they don't, you know, Gronks could be back, but they really don't have any depth that they had to, you know, some of those guys moved on. So that could be something you kind of keep in mind. Tom Brady always loves his tight ends. Oh but yeah, yeah so let's I, move on to the team that's offensively definitely challenged in a different direction. Well, no, I, I want to sit there for a second because I, I actually think somehow or another this is that's the one position we haven't really hit well. Um, I'm kind of curious what you think about this tight end class because uh, I don't, I really don't think that we've talked prospects at least not on air. Yeah, um, I don't and, love it. Um, I'll be honest. I think McBride's probably my top guy on the board just because I think he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, one of the guys I like is kind of a forgotten about guy because he's you know isn't wow you with his physicality, but he plays good all around tight end. Is Otten from Washington? Um, he reminds me a lot of Mark Andrews, and I know people were bigger on, coming into the draft. I was huge on Mark Andrews. People were bigger on Hayden Hurst. He reminds me kind of a similar guy where because he doesn't wow you with his physical ability, I see a guy who knows how to be a quarterback's best friend. So for me, fantasy-wise, Otten's a guy who I think would be a fantastic fit for Tom Brady. Uh, not necessarily me drift higher, um, but I also think you look at a mismatch. Uh, the Woods kid, somebody that along those like Austin Allen from Nebraska, I think later some of the guys later on in the draft might become the guys I like more. Um, even Turner from Nevada. I like some of the big, bigger, taller guys so you can kind of have a jump throw. Tom Brady showed with Martellus Bennett and different tight ends he's had historically that he, if he has a guy he can kind of throw the ball up for, he's willing to do so. So that's probably what I would definitely look at necessarily early in this draft, but tight end is something I like later in this draft as prospect wise. Yeah. Uh, the one other name I'm going to throw out there um, who is probably my tight end too, um, behind Dulcich, who I don't think is necessarily a fit for Tampa. Um, but I think uh, Charlie Kolar would be thank really you. interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Adam. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I love I think... Charlie. My second tight on my board as well. Go ahead. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So I I love him, and it kind of depends on where he goes, whether or not you yes. would want to um, make that investment. But it, if he happens to be slipping, I think that would be a perfect tight end for them because uh, he is a really good receiver. He's also a pretty solid blocker. Uh, he's got the height. Um, he's deceptively athletic, which I know is such a cliche phrase, but I mean the combine kind of proved that to be the case. A lot of people didn't expect 
um, what ended up happening there. But yeah, I, I like him a lot. So I, I think he could be pretty impactful there. Yeah, I didn't mention him because I think a lot of people didn't even know who the guy was. Definitely somebody who's on my board. And I think, like I said, probably number two on my board as well. I like what he does. He's very good in getting in those routes. Um, he shows his body well. He gives a, court, a quarterback a big target to kind of aim at. Like you said, doesn't necessarily wow you on tape, but you see the guy always in the right place at the right time. Seems to be able to do a little bit of everything. And those tight ends can be successful. You know, one of the key things, you see a lot of tight ends get drafted as weapons, but don't get the feel because if you can't block, it's hard for you to play. And there's the receiver is probably better than you are that can't block too. So we're the widely to have you on the field. Um, and I think that's something to kind of keep in mind with some of these guys when everybody kind of falls in love with these mismatched target guys. I'm not necessarily the guy that sees them always, you know, come to fruition because fantasy really hasn't shown you those guys are as successful as the guys who are out there all three downs. Yep, absolutely. All right, now let's go to the, <laughs> the team. I just wanted to make sure we hit some tight end talk. But, um, yeah, let's move on to the Panthers who are QB challenged. <laughs> So what do you think uh, the Panthers do? They've got a higher pick, and it seems to be the one of the few teams where there's kind of, I don't want to say a consensus, but at least a general thought that it, it feels very, it's either most likely Pickett, if not Willis. I hate both of those fantasy-wise. <laughs> can I say that answer? I, I mean, um, you can. <laughs> I think... I'm probably going to take some heat for this probably from some people, but Pickett is Sam Darnold in so many ways. It's ridiculous. If you want a guy who can only throw five-yard passes and play good when everything's perfect around him, you already have him on your team. You just you just traded a second rounder for him and paid him $18 million for no reason. <laughs> um, if you want to waste your first rounder, go ahead and do that. Willis has the upside, but... We just saw the offense with Cam Newton last year. I think you're going to get the same thing from Willis as you got from Cam Newton, a guy who can't really throw consistently in the NFL quarterback position, and a quarterback that was being rotated out for a PJ Walker because Matt, you know, Rule wanted to kind of have somebody else in there make throw the ball a bit more effectively. I would don't like Willis this year. I don't think Robbie Anderson people would be excited about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know people who invest in Terrence Marshall probably should not be excited about that. So maybe I'm the, maybe uh, everybody keeps trying to tell me he's the next Josh Allen. I think he's the next Trey Lance, and you could take that however you want to. Trey Lance to me is not what he he is what he is, and he's not going to get any better. And people are going to keep getting, getting excuses for why he's not in the field. And Jimmy G, Jimmy G, you guys tried to run him out of town, you know, last year. Now Trey Lance is maybe he's not ready quite yet. Well, he's most you know pro ready quarterback supposed last year. When it talks about competition. Willis isn't even the same stratosphere he was competition-wise and still didn't dominate that well. So that's to me is like, I'm sorry. If you can't read defenses at Division three schools and you can't – and I, I keep hearing, well, his offensive line was bad. He didn't have the same weapons. I've never heard that excuse for any other division, you know, smaller school guy. Usually you're expected to dominate, and so what, because it was against small colleges. This guy gets excuses because he's 6'1 and he can run. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Uh, I think people are falling too much in love with the you know idea of quarterbacks versus reality. This guy is not going to be good in the pocket. Maybe he's a, a poor man's Kyler Murray in a lot of ways, but I think that's what you're praying for if you're you know taking that early. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, I don't think that there's a surefire franchise quarterback in this draft. Um, it's a tough position to kind of, I mean, further jobs they kind of need to take one, but I think they're kind of. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation as far as I'm concerned for Carolina. I think for my Carolina personally, where I think they could do best fantasy wise for themselves, if they were to have a, one of those top you know tackles fall, like a needle fail to them, they should take him. That would be great for Christian McCaffrey owners. That'd be great for anybody because even Sam Donald's better with no pressure. Um, having said that, I think ideally they trade down. And they look at like a, um, the kid from Cincinnati as the quarterback option if they and like maybe a later second round or second round pick, maybe a late first round if they have to move up that high. But Desmond Ryder to me is a guy who fits that offense more better. It fits it more perfectly if you're looking for a guy who can kind of add the RPO option, which the team seemed to be big on last year. Um, you look at Bob McAdoo and kind of his track record with quarterbacks. You know when he kind of was best was kind of hiding what Eli did. Um, and I think that he, he was kind of giving credit for developing some of the backups um, in Green Bay, like you know, Hudley, but when he didn't develop anything, but at least it kind of had similar skill set, I guess. So you're looking at a guy who is used to kind of using RPO action, would probably have, you know, something, a guy who got the ball to Christian McCaffrey and his playmakers um, and not necessarily draft, you know, spend the draft capital to waste on a picket or Willis, in my opinion, that can kind of bring some of those similar attributes and has stronger upside, I think, um, because he's just a quarterback that seems to kind of not just be like a tick off, but he has a lot of the skill set you're looking for. He's got a good arm. He can run a uh, big, tall, strong guy, uh, a guy you're worried about being fragile, getting beat up out there. Um, so I think he's probably the best fit for them, you know, to help fantasy wise. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ritter makes a lot of sense um, for them, at least as far as, as some of these guys go. Cause again, I don't know. Drafting a quarterback high this draft at all just does not seem like an appealing option to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I also agree that, and I, I don't think that'd be the popular take, but I do agree that if one of those offensive linemen happened to fall, that would probably not be that bad of a thing for them. Um, Cause one it probably meant uh, someone else decided to bite the bullet on <laughs> one of the quarterbacks is that's probably why it would f- fall that way. Uh, unless I guess uh, the, there was just a run early on the edge guys, which is also possible. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, getting one of the offensive linemen would probably be ideal for them and just moving it on. <laughs> um, speaking of, we will be moving on to the last team in the NFC uh, in the South, um, which will be our New Orleans Saint or the New Orleans Saints, rather, um, with no uh, Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, we can give our, our generic answer that obviously there's a, a clear, huge hole at left tackle right now. Um, they kind of got by last year without that upgrade necessarily. Hurst, Hurst 
played you know okay. Um, Sean Payton's not there, which is going to be really interesting because he always did a good job of kind of hiding what they were deficient at. He uses receivers to kind of chip guys, a tackle. That's why they kind of always you know invested more in their interior than their tackles a lot of the times, especially in draft capital wise. Um, but I think that you look at the Saints team and definitely could use an upgraded tackle. But I think for Jameis Winston, for Alvin Kamara, even Michael Thomas is back. They need another weapon. It was so clear last year that this passing attack is just not up to NFL standards, which you need to be able to be a attack, you know, NFL teams. I like Callaway as a receiver three, but he should not be in your top two guys. Michael Thomas, you're not even sure what you're getting back right now. Um, and also a guy that you're in cap hell if you're the Saints, so you kind of needed to figure out what you're going to do sooner than later. Putting all those things together, James Winston's best when he can throw the ball down to somebody down the field. They could punt on this year and go Jameson Williams. That doesn't really do me any good for James Winston this year. So I like to see them get their hands on Wilson. The kid is, I think, perfect and custom-made. Maybe they have a little bit of draft capital with, with the two first-rounders they have this year. Um, but I like Garrett Wilson. I think he's a guy who's a, a Stefan Diggs in a lot of way, Antonio Brown guy. You can move all over the field. You need to get the ball in his hands. Um, a big play guy. Um, and I think that he does enough of where he can be a security blank, but also being the big, big bring bring the big play and balance off of a Michael Thomas if he is healthy really well or an Alvin Kamara. So that to me is the ideal fit fantasy wise. Um, and with that second rounder, you know, they can address that offensive line. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think my my thoughts would be either of the Ohio State guys, and I, I grade uh, Wilson out higher. So. <laughs> Make of that what you will. I think that's kind of the skill set that they need to be looking for. Um, and I'll, I'll throw this out there real quick too, Adam. I'm not opposed if they were to take two of the receivers in that first pick. I know people might say that's crazy. Michael Thomas is getting older, and Jamison, James Winston, I believe, can be your guy in a sense, and you can kind of get lightning in the bottle. Um, he was most effective when he had two good receivers to have a bet. You give him two weapons, he can make things happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no, I definitely just don't disagree. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see because it is largely all the same people, but I am kind of going to be kind of curious what, uh, later in the draft, obviously, what, how much do we really love Troutman, um, <laughs> to, to this point, or, or is getting one of these kind of ap- athletic tight ends towards the bottom of the draft going to be kind of an interesting thing? Um, because I, I think we've definitely seen that it'll take someone who can also block to dethrone Troutman, but... No. I got to see who's really calling what the changes will be without Sean Payton there. Yeah. Um, since Jimmy Graham has moved on, Norlands has kind of been that that tight end enticer that people keep wanting to kind of hit on, but never really materializes. They had Kobe Fleener there for a couple of years. <laughs> they had, um, you know, different guys they've tried to throw out there and nobody's really been successful because Sean Payton really didn't throw the tight end that much other than Jimmy Graham. So, I think the best guy they kind of showed last year, last you know season was Jawan Johnson. And he's more of a glorified receiver. I think that if, it, if it's this guy who kind of attacks the seam in Sean Payton's offense, you need somebody who can maybe be more of a weapon. Um, there were some guys they could look at. But with this offense, how it's constituted, don't waste any more capital on tight ends. You just waste, you don't use them. So, you know, to me, what you do need, obviously, for James to be successful in that. And he is will go tight end too. And they had Cameron Brate who had his best year. OJ Howard was good with James Winston. But I think the outside receiver, this is a guy who can throw the 15 to 20 or five yard pass with the best of them. You want somebody who can push the ball down the field. I think you talked about the Ohio State kids are perfect. 
Um, I love Wilson, like I said, and I would love to pair him with Traylon Burks. And you put that with Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston and Alvin Kamara, bring it on fantasy-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to a team we've already talked about once tonight in um, the Arizona Cardinals. What do they need to make uh, <laughs> to make Kyler Murray not want to leave them? <laughs> well, that I don't know because they give <laughs> Kyler Murray everything he could possibly really in the sense that he would want. I blame Kyler for that. You know, he it's suddenly everybody's trying to throw Cliff Kingsbury and his offense under the under the table or under the bus, I should say. Uh, Kyler, you were drafted, and then the quote unquote was you were custom built for his offense. So why all of a sudden is the offense a problem? You can't run as much or don't want to run as much, and therefore you're not as good as a quarterback, and that's what kind of people are seeing fantasy-wise. So I think, although, so I digress. But anyway, they, they need to add more weapons offensively. It's clear and uh, you know, obvious. You don't think uh, AJ Green's enough? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I want to say offensive line because I hate their offensive line in general too. They've really done a great job of protecting Collar, and I'll give him that. Um especially interior-wise, we're talking about a team that could use some guys who can kind of keep people out of his face. This guy cannot throw in the red zone as it is because he can't see. So I definitely think it would be beneficial for him to have some guys kind of interior. But I wonder if that's going to matter if he'll just roll out like Connor Ross Wilson does anyway. Um, so having said all that, I think they need another receiver or a running back. Um, I know James Connors is awesome fantasy-wise last year. But he was the starting running back, handled the full load for a whole, what, game and a half, two games before he got injured. Um, this guy is an injury-prone machine. I'm not a James Conner hater, per se, but I think James Conner is not something I'm depending on if I'm the Arizona team and needs to be able to run the ball next year. So I like their running backs. I like Walker or Hall there later on in the first round if you're going to go in the first round of the running back. Other than that, I think these guys are necessarily good first-rounders. Uh, that you should be sniffing that. And then the receivers, the other place, whatever receiver falls. Um, I think that with you look at Rondell Moore is a guy that I think can kind of fill multiple roles for you. I love him in a slot. I'm not worried about the Christian Kirk, you know, not being there. What I'm worried is you brought back AJ Green, who I don't trust necessarily AJ Green is going to be anything left. Um, and you had Wesley playing a lot last year. She shows you the depth in the receiver when Hopkins, you know, Hopkins has been in and out of the lineup. Um, that's not something you can necessarily bank on him always being out there. And Kyler needs somebody to kind of depend on. So for me, what's one of the receivers they were to fall or a running back if it's, you know, something else that the receivers too are kind of rich for their blood at that position. Yeah. All of those I, I think would be, um, would, would be ideal. Connor, I think can definitely be your starter. Uh, there's no question there. It's just, you know, can we trust that he will be healthy for all of those games? Um, and, and to your point, they need someone to be their healthy running back. Um, yeah, the offensive line would be super helpful. And I think on paper, it's such a need. But to your point, again, like Kyler Murray can run. We'll, we'll be fine there. Uh, it, it's just, you know, when he runs and he just has to throw it because there's no time left. Like, where can he go if Hopkins isn't isn't there? Yeah. And, you know, it's a team that runs, you know, most four receiver sets in the NFL last year, and definitely most on the higher end of the top three receivers, three receiver sets. So when you look at the kind of weapons you're throwing out there, um, I'm not excited about Zach Ertz and Matt, Max Williams is going to be the guys who are going to necessarily open it up for Kyler Murray. So I think you better find something more than AJ Green because you have a lot of possession receivers, in my opinion, on that team right now. Mm-hmm. I will just admit, though, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there and then we can move on to the Rams. 
Um, I'll admit, I actually thought Wesley did pretty decent in the little bit that we got to see him. He is. Um, I guess my problem with him is I think he's more of a I can do a little bit everything kind of receiver. He blocks well. Um, he kind of does the right things. Like Kendrick Bourne is kind of my comp mm-hmm. I would give for him. Um, but I think for Kyler Murray to, you know, yeah, fantasy wise, you're going to need somebody much more explosive to pair up with, you know, Rondell Moore. I think Rondell Moore is going to have a, a hell of a next season. I think people kind of forgot about him. Um, but I think that you look at the outside receivers, which are going to be important for the BLB press coverage or one-on-one coverage. And if Hopkins is out there, AJ to me is a guy that's, you know, showing you more and more. He's more of a glorified possession guy. And it kind of as the season progressed, he kind of faded away. You need somebody to kind of add some juice to this offense. All right, Rams. They need to stop. How, right? how did the rich get richer? Um, off the line. I mean, it's yeah. simple. Off it's not even line. getting twisted. They have plenty of receiving weapons. They have plenty of running back weapons. They just need to make sure that off the line is pass protecting for you know Sam, um, Matthew Stafford and opening the holes. Yep. So for me, replace the I old man that retired. <laughs> yeah, they have no early round guys necessarily because they would try to their nope. early pick their way. Um, but we talked about the depth in this draft, and I think there's some different guys that you can kind of look for. One of the guys who kind of stands out to me is Lindstrom, the center from Boston College, um, a guy that, that I think can play a little bit of guard if he has to, but I think is a, definitely a good center. Um, we've seen the Rams have success with guys who are kind of similar built to him, being able to switch to guard, where he's not necessarily the biggest guy, but because they kind of does the crack backing angles and pulls, so he can do a lot of the things that Sean McVay likes. Um, so is a guy I kind of I throw out there. All right, cool. That's all I needed. <laughs> um, all right, let let's finish on the Niners because I think that's a fun one. Um, Seahawks. I don't want the draft one at nine, but they need a quarterback for DJ DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, these running backs. Um, you can say line if there was one of the great one of the better linemen to fall to them, that would be great for this running attack. Um, I think they're most effective, despite what people want Russ cooking all the time. Um, Seattle as a team does better when they run the ball. And so I could definitely see that being something people could argue. But I think fantasy wise, I, I love DK Metcalf and I love Tyler Lockett. And if you want him and Noah Fant to actually have his breakout everybody's waiting for. Drew Locke showed that he can't throw to Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and, and all the receivers in Denver last year. Why would that be any different in Seattle? And Geno's not the answer. I'm sorry, fantasy-wise. So they have to find a quarterback. Um, the best fit, fantasy-wise, is probably Willis. I would hate to see them take him the high. The other guy that I like a lot, though, for them would be also Resmond Ridd. I think he's kind of brings a lot of things that Pete Carroll likes at the quarterback position, a guy who can kind of use his legs, open the running game up, but has the arm to be able to push the ball down the field. Uh, you know, Ritter was one of the better deep press throwers. He didn't throw a lot of them. Um, and I think they, they can kind of work with his progression lack of in a sense, but with the offense that they kind of are continuing to use, you know, if they were Sean Waldron, you have a quarterback that can kind of move around, kind of move the pocket with. They can roll out. They can kind of get the, has the arm talent to get the ball to DK Metcalf. And doesn't have to read a whole lot with that offense in place either. He can kind of have like easy reads, I think. So you put all those things together. I think Desmond Ritter would be a guy that I would like for Seattle. Yeah, I think Des- Desmond Ritter does make a whole lot of sense um, in, in Seattle. Um, like, like you said, just having someone who could roll out, make a lot of the easier reads, um, and, and who can be – 
really effective in a run first offense because I think that's what is finally is going to happen here, or at least as run first as the modern NFL uh, can get, um, which I think he fits really well. Um, he, he's not someone uh, you, you talked about what Carson could do in, in on the Giants. I think Ritter can be a good quarterback in the NFL, but I don't think he's someone who you want throwing 45 times a game. No. Like he is someone who you want to throw 30 times a game. <laughs> um, so I, I think Seattle, uh, for him to be successful, would be like one of the most, if not the most ideal fit, um, where you can get your shots in with DK a handful times a game off of play action especially, but and he'll be um, you know disciplined. But Yeah, you know. and like I look at him as – you know, worst case scenario, in my opinion, kind of is he's Mitchell Trubisky, but I think he's more physical, like gifted. Um, he's he can you know is has a better arm. He has more upside in a sense. And but the accuracy issues and some of the things, the easy throws that he might miss. I think you could have those kind of hiccups. But we've seen Al Robinson was quite successful pairing up with Mitchell Trubisky. So I think those different things you kind of put together. You know, this is a quarterback that can still feed those receivers enough. I say Willis is because I think when you look at the you know. We were Penny's production and the receivers guys, they're all going to kind of get theirs. If he was to be the quarterback that we, you and I are big believers that, you know, a running threat at a quarterback definitely helps the running game and running backs. So if you're a shot Penny owner, I'm sure you would like love to have Willis as kind of taking mm-hmm. some of the attention with the offensive line. And as for DK and Lockett, I wouldn't love their efficiency, but I have no doubt that he could throw the ball up to DK Metcalf six, seven times a game and just throw it up there and DK could get something once in a while. So yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think kind of those things would kind of balance it out in the sense where I wouldn't love, you know, Seattle's chance to be a successful team, but I think fantasy wise, you could ride that kind of a little hurts last year. Yeah, I agree. Willis would be a really interesting one to Seattle. I actually think that probably Seattle or, or, or maybe the Giants or something like that would be his ideal landing spot for him to end up as a successful quarterback. Um, with that, Dan, if you happen to be listening, this is your time to pay attention. Let's hit the 49ers, uh, which I guess is one that I'll, I'll just say now is really dependent on what's happening right now. So this could be a very interesting, say, um, eight days or whatever for, for the Niners. So I guess I can't Nine say days. quarterback. Um, Correct. You, you're not allowed to. <laughs> because I would. I feel like, honestly, if we're going to see get what we got from Trey Lance last year when he has a handful of starts, how horrible it affected, especially George Kittle in particular, and some of those weapons – um, that passing attack really needs a quarterback who's way better because it's going to really struggle if that's what your answer is. Um, I guess I can't say running back because they just won't play. Um, so <laughs> I want to say receiver, but Brandon Ayuk had a hard time even making it on the field and being consistently utilized in the game plan. So I'm going to settle with offensive line for San Francisco because I think that's the easiest answer that – if you want Kyle Shanahan's running system to continue to be effective, you want Trey Lance to have any chance to be effective. If Jimmy G is still your quarterback somehow, some way, you want him to be protected the best you can because Jimmy G is not great when it gets hit or it takes pressure up the middle. Put all those things together. Um, your Banks draft pick didn't pan out last year. Uh, McClinchy is not my favorite guy. I know he grades out well, but I think that you look at overall off the line, Alex Max probably one of your is on the way out. I still love him. He's still definitely an older guy. Trent Williams, you know, is still beating Father Time somehow, some way, but still a guy you kind of want to keep in mind. So I think the 49ers really need offensive line uh, improvement um, and draft capital. I don't necessarily know where they're going to get 
where they kind of fall. Um, but I think that they need to look for a guy who that I'll just say it easy. Whoever Kyle Shanahan is actually going to play. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that seems to work. Um, yeah, <laughs> I can't really be mad at that. Uh, I, I would probably add receiver in there if Debo gets traded before the draft. Um, and even if not, uh, if they should they get another up... receiver. I think agreed. I think they need more weapons, but it disappointing fantasy wise. I mean, like I said, Brandon, you could barely be George Kittle could barely be used fantasy wise last year. Imagine adding another mouth to feed. Um, are we going to get a, a giant situation fantasy wise in a sense if they add another receiver to that, that room? Yeah, uh, they're, they're, it's kind of tough to do because there's so much questions about which quarterback are we really projecting for? Um, you know, are we projecting with or without Debo? Um, I don't know. The The Niners will just always kind of be that, under Shanahan at least, that weirdo team that you don't really quite know what they even need because you don't even know what they're doing or what the plan is or what, what is going on in any capacity. They don't need to go back and they have I have abuse checks, so they're okay there. Just pay um, five million to do nothing. Oh, um, so Dan is here, uh, commenting on along nice. on Facebook. <laughs> he said, "Trade up to not play anyone." <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. And also trade Trey Lance. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'll go. I'll go. My best best answer for the forty dollars to do fantasy wise for us. Would be to figure out how to make the to, to trade Debo Samuel. I think it would be make up from that draft capital because this team needs more weapons all around. Needs more significant, you know, depth offensively uh, along the line and receiving. So I think that probably their best thing fantasy wise for this team to kind of un unleash itself on the Trey Lance era. <laughs> all right, I, I think we we covered. Um, that's our last team. Um, and thankfully, I think we've heard plenty about what you think on the offensive line type of things. We've heard, you know, what we think about all of the quarterback receivers, tight ends naturally here. Um, so this was a really good, uh, series we've done for the past two weeks. Of course, the next time you see us, it will be after, uh, the draft. Um, speaking of, uh, actually the next time you see us will be the night of the draft, um, where... The trio of, uh, well, I guess there will be four of us, but including the trio of me, you, and uh, Dan um, <laughs> uh, for the first five picks. And then you and Dan and a host of other people will be all through the rest of the first round. Um, and I'll be back again quite in and out um, for day two. Uh, it'll be a, a fun little time. So definitely make sure you're, you're plugged into the Belly Up socials um, coming up to draft night. Um, both the first two days. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have all the, you know, a lot of the Belly Up family there, different people kind of representing throughout the show, as you talked about in the two days. Um, we're going to give you fantasy you know, insight and advice. We're going to give you football, what's, what matters on the field, you know, football-wise, and we're going to give you some betting tips. So put all those things together, you can kind of the perfect package for draft day. Uh, can we get a preview? Who do you, who should be, if you're betting, what is your, do you have a good draft bet? for us right now i think the one would be kind of the receivers to kind of consider to look at how many receivers are going to go in the first round over under um mm -hmm. five seems to be like a number that you're kind of seeing five six i would bet if, it's, if you can find five i'd bet the over i think there's gonna be lots of receivers going in this draft particularly as you see the teams the chiefs and the packers kind of in that back end of the first half 
first round with multiple first rounders. I don't buy the notion the quarterbacks are going to be super high. So that's another bet you might want to think about. Um, that you think, you know, through four or less quarterbacks are going to go. Um, maybe something to kind of last look at. People have all kinds of visions of how the quarterback's going to kind of unfold. Um, and then, you know, wh- who that second quarterback or first quarterback is going to be. People like Wilson, people like Pickett. Carolina seems to be that interesting team because are they playing for now? Are they playing for the future? Um, and do they just kind of throw everybody in, you know, a curveball and not take quarterback at all? So you know, when you kind of see some of the teams that could kind of pass on the quarterback early, some of these guys could plummet. So that's kind of the three things I'll just kind of throw a draft wise to kind of look at, you know, some of these quarterbacks, where are they going? How many of them are going to go? Receivers, where are they going to go? How many of them are going to go? Um, and, you know, some of those guys that you're kind of more curious to see where they fall. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like both of those actually. Um, uh, all right, cool. Uh, well, Chris, what are, what are you doing on the MD's fantasy football show? Well, what's the schedule like that leading up into the draft? We will be on tomorrow. I'll be with, I'll be with Dan tomorrow. I should say um, Dan's always on, um, but I will, I will be joining Dan tomorrow to kind of start pre- previewing our draft of receivers. We're going to look at the top 10 receivers that are kind of been graded out in the sense um, we use PFS uh, pro focus is a consensus. Um, it's still the guys who are going to go in the earliest rounds, but the guys that they kind of have rated as the consensus top guys. Um, so we want to kind of go through those profile you and kind of show you some of the different guys that you have, you know, to think about fantasy wise and kind of like what we did, you know, last two weeks, kind of where were their good fits be? Um, and where do we see them kind of excelling? Uh, Dan and I have a little bit different views on some of the guys that we like or skill sets that we maybe don't like. Um, so you might see a little bit baiting over that, but for the most part, we're just trying to get you guys, you know, informed who are these guys past just their, you know, it's a great receiver class. Um, so we want to kind of, you kind of understand a little bit more in depth. So we make your best choices fantasy wise. All right, cool. Love it. We'll have to tune in to the MD's fantasy football show tomorrow. Uh, again, make sure to come back for the, uh, belly up draft spectacular, um, next Thursday and Friday, uh, and take Adam, care. Belly no, up. I hope it happens on draft day as well. During those three days at some point, what somebody gets freed. <laughs> yep. Free, free uh, Denzel Mims. Yep. Free Denzel Mims. All right. Uh, we will see you all in two weeks. Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.